Hi, and welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. This is episode 181, season nine of our show. We're doing something a little bit different for season nine. We're doing series, which is something I've been wanting to do for a while. So a number of episodes that build on a similar topic until we switch series topics. So for January and February, we're focusing on things that you typically think about at the beginning of the year. So goals, resolutions, things like increasing your productivity, trying to be better about your fitness. And we're using science-backed data as we talk about these things. So the goal is to talk about the why something is good for you and how to do it without actually destroying your physical and your mental health in the process. Because, you know, that would be a bummer. In episode 179, we kicked off this series with an episode on singular focus. So ditching the multitasking, which I am the queen of, in favor of doing one thing at a time until it's done. I am trying to practice what I preach, but I will tell you, I'm still finding it tough. But each day, trying to look for those moments where I really just need to tune everything out and tune into just the one thing. So work in progress. Episode 180 was an episode on the power of movement, activity snacks. Proof that adding in just a five-minute movement break, like walking around the office, climbing some stairs, bothering your neighbor at work, can actually lower your blood pressure. Yeah, you bother Bob, your blood pressure gets better. His, not so much. It can also be good for things like keeping your glucose in check, your digestion, gets your brain moving, so maybe you actually get more things done. So bosses, you should be liking it when your people get up and move. So today, um, we're going to do another work-related topic. And if you are like me, well, I spend my best hours, I would say, at work. <laughs> I am at my freshest, definitely in the middle of the night when I go in and do my eight or nine hours at work. And I can honestly say that I could not do my job if I didn't have some work besties. Do you have a work best friend or maybe best friends? I have a few people. And there is a lot of research that backs up that having a good friend network wherever you work is really crucial. No matter what job you do, even if you're the boss, having people you consider to be a friend is really important, not only to your professional development, but also to your personal development as well. And the Gallup organization has been doing this research for years, and it has always said that work friends are important. But now it's changing its tone a little bit and says that it is crucial that people have important connections at work. This is a really interesting one to think about with the push for remote work by a lot of people. So the good things about having work friends, good work friends, besties, is that they tend to increase accountability. You have a built-in support network, connection, which makes it fun maybe to go to work to see those people that you enjoy. And the data has proved, see, I told you I'm going to bring your science into it. The data has actually proven that for businesses that have environments where people form these, these natural friendships, that it is directly increased to worker productivity, to profitability, to safety on the job, and then most importantly, to retention of workers. When people stay, sometimes they stay because they don't want to leave their friends. And that can be good and bad in terms of career advancement. But for the workplace, having those people who enjoy each other and who support each other can be a really, really good thing. So I've brought in one of my work besties today, Edie Lambert, who basically I do the morning news for those of you who are not actually based in Sacramento. We actually have a lot of listeners who, who are not in Northern California, which is kind of interesting. 
Um, I do the morning news at KCRA, the NBC affiliate in Sacramento. My colleague Edie Lambert does the night news. So we actually never see each other in the office. And yet we have been work best friends for years. We have been good colleagues, good friends for a really, really long time, which maybe might be a little unusual, you might think, in a, an industry that is at least in every movie that you've ever seen. If you've watched The Morning Show, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's supposed to be super competitive. But I can honestly say that we are not competitive with each other at all. In fact, it is a very conscious effort to be cheerleaders for each other. And that, for me, has been what has really supported me in some difficult times in my job, not always the easiest. And so that has been super important for me. So I'm very grateful to have somebody like her. And I have a number of people at off at the office who I would consider to be that and who hopefully I am for them as well. So Edie's going to join me and we're going to break down the study a little bit. And then we'll also go through four ways to find a friend. <laughs> really? So on this Dying to Ask, we'll talk about, as an employer, why you want your people to be friendly with each other and how you can create that atmosphere where they can feel comfortable to have good friendships on the job. We'll talk about our daily heads up, something we've been doing for years over text that also helps set the tone for the day. We will talk about how you can navigate your career and get some honest advice from your work besties. And then, as I said, we'll give you four ways to find a friend. We're talking friendship on this week's Dying to Ask. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask. Morning, Edie. Good morning. It's nine. Is this, you know, exceedingly early? Where is this yeah, on the early scale? Manageable, but not pleasant. <laughs> not a preferred time. <laughs> not a preferred time. But Lloyd's out of town, so I was up early to get the girls off to school. Yeah. And Yeah. Well, there's a very sweet spot where you and I can connect because past a certain time, I can't put words together. And before a certain time, you're kind of the same way. Exactly. So yeah. nice well, to see you. Nice to see you too, even if it's through Zoom. Thanks for doing this with me because when I, I started reading about these, these stories about you know having a best friend at work, I'm like, oh, I got a couple of them. And one of them is you. We're lucky. And I... I agree this is something to celebrate and it's very interesting that there is more and more data becoming available showing the value not just to us and of course it makes our life better but that there is value to companies. I've thought this for a long time but I feel like that idea of having like a best friend at work or you know your work besties maybe it's gotten a little bit of a bad rap because people might think that you're talking about excluding other people because maybe you have a more natural chemistry with some people and that is definitely not what all these studies are talking about not at all in fact don't you think that it sets the tone for everyone around you when they see these congenial relationships. I mean, personally, yes. And, and I love that you said besties, plural, because I yeah. think that's, you know, um, 
that kind of cuts the legs out from under the competitive part of having a best friend. But I love absorbing the other friendships around me. I mean, in a newsroom, we are surrounded by smart, funny people. And I love the exchanges between you know, some of the producers who I sit right next to and they're funny and just, just soaking in their friendship is a joy to me. So um, I think exactly what you're saying, it, it's, it sets an overall tone for the entire newsroom when, you've, when you're surrounded by people who like each other. I agree. And in our profession, I think, you know, back in the day, it wasn't as common because people were very, very competitive, um, you know, kind of a little bit more cutthroat. And maybe the stereotype was that women especially weren't overly friendly with each other because they might be competitive. And for me, coming into our newsroom a million years ago, the person who set the tone early was Lois Hart. And I remember because I sat next to her, <laughs> I absorbed a lot from sitting next to her. I remember her talking about, you know, coming up in our industry during some times where being a woman was really, really tough. And she said, you know, we get enough from, we get enough competition and, and we have it hard enough without making it hard with each other. So she, to me, really like set the tone of women here will support each other. And to me, that was like so instrumental at a really young time in my life. I couldn't agree more. She um, was so generous and so supportive. And that included when I anchored with her husband, because she anchored some shows with Dave. I anchored some shows with Dave. And, you know, in, in a different scenario that could possibly be weird. Mm -hmm. um, and it was lovely. She was lovely. Dave was lovely. They were, they were both um, incredibly important, I feel like, to my career. And Sarah Gardner was another mm. anchor who I felt like really um, showed me how to be a friend to other women in the newsroom. Yeah. And I very generous with um, family type stuff too, which is also kind mm -hmm. of part of what this whole study was about. So I feel like having work friends, you have different types of friends depending on where you are in your career, but also in your life. So like in the, in our twenties, um, to me, it was about having friends to go out with, <laughs> having friends to go out with like at night, friends to socialize with, friends to introduce you to people, that kind of thing. Oh, I found you your husband. So you're welcome. <laughs> you did. Yeah. You did do a little uh, no, background. I'm yeah. Kind of a cool going out friend. Yeah, you are a cool going out friend. Um, I think as you get a little bit older, though, as you get into your 30s, it becomes about your work friends become kind of the people you grew up with. At least that's how it has been for me, right. having been in the same work environment for a really long time. So it was the, the getting married time, finding a partner time, having kids time, and then moving into your 40s and beyond. It's all those other life things in addition to the work things that start to come in. So it's the the parenting your kids and then kind of parenting your parents because you move into that kind of middle time of life where you're, you don't know if you're coming or going, you're kind of navigating sometimes from kind of crisis to crisis. Oh, and then a pandemic in the middle of all of that. It's true. And we have these friendships and these bonds with other friends as well. But I think that there is something different about those of us who did grow up together in the newsroom. That <laughs> and I think we're still growing up, to be, to be clear. Still, that, that is an evolution. That is fair. <laughs> um, but there's a, just a common experience about the work that we do. I think we get each other in a way that our other friends 
may not. We can support each other mm -hmm. in ways that other friends may not be able to support us because we do understand the unique challenges and demands of our job. And so I think that adds to it. And you know, when you were talking, I was thinking about something else, Deirdre, and, and I know this is true for you too. Some of my best friends are friends who I grew up with in news who are no longer working in news. Yeah. But it's still that common experience. And, you know, all these years later, we've remained dear friends, um, even though they've left the journalism profession. And I think that the work friend is, it's, it's so important because it's got to be different than the connection you have with a spouse because you don't have, you want to have to explain things. So if I work in an ER, it's really great to be able to decompress or navigate tricky things with somebody who also is working in an ER because they already know it. Like I don't have to lay right. the groundwork of this, this, and this. And I think that that's what helps you get through those stressful times, whether you're a teacher, um, whether you, I mean, I suppose an accountant, <laughs> no matter what type of environment you're working in, you're around people who at least on the same level understand what your day was like. And so I think that that's what helps you navigate some of the stuff that gets thrown your way, the good and the bad. The other thing that has emerged with this whole um, just area of, of research and, you know, kind of quantifying <laughs> your work friends is that it is something that you have control over. Yeah. There's a lot with work that you don't, but being able to decide how you want to be in your environment um, leaning on friends for support, offering support um, when when your friends need it, um, reaching out to to make new friends in the newsroom or any work environment. That is something you can control. Mm -hmm. That is that is you choosing. This is how I'm going to do this job. Yeah. And it's not to say you know we should make it clear. You know there are toxic people in the world. You don't have to be friends with everybody, um, but to to be able to look around and decide, you know, that's somebody I want to be closer to. That's, yeah. that's a way that you can single-handedly on your own, make your work environment better. Well, and it also doesn't have to be somebody that you spend your weekends with either. I mean, you can have right. great friends at work who never have dinner at your house and you don't go to their house either. Like you can still be great friends without having to be greatly involved in every aspect of their home life too, I think. Sometimes that's preferable. I think sometimes it's probably healthy that way. Yeah. Otherwise it might, it might be mixing too much. Yeah, agree. What do you think of some places where maybe people have employers who discourage that? I mean, there's some people who are like, I don't want people being friends. I want you guys being workers. I feel like a lot of that is on its way out because the research has continued to come in and show that. But I've, I've known people who are like that and I've heard of environments that are like that. Right, where the idea is the competition mm -hmm. between people in a workplace and that that will foster greater um, achievements because you have everybody competing against each other. Um, and I think you, you and I both have friends who've had to deal with those type of bosses. Um, and it's also, I, I would say, a way of controlling mm -hmm. people. Um, I, I have talked friends through situations where their bosses seem to feel that if they could keep everyone competitive, um, it would somehow um, keep the boss at the at the at the at the top. 
um, which is strange to me. I, I think you're right. I think that that model is becoming outdated. Oh, I think it's becoming super outdated. And it's also super short-sighted. Um, yeah. And it, it doesn't usually work. Not for the right. betterment of, you know, the group. When I tell people outside of where we work, you know, how well we know each other and what good friends we are, people are often surprised. And I, I always think that's very funny that people would be that surprised that this is the relationship that we have, but we have for a really long time. And I think a big part of it is that we do completely different, similar job, but at different parts of the day. And we've actually never worked at the same time. Have we? No. No, no, I mean, we've never worked at the same time, um, which is also kind of an interesting thing about how our friendship became so deep. It's like a treat. Like if I've gone in and you're still at work, I mean, to get to see you in It's not a treat for me because like... it means it's really late. <laughs> <laughs> or, or vice versa. I've had exactly. to get in you there early really for something. <laughs> right, well, yeah, ew. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, that... I, I know what you're saying, and that creates kind of a um, maybe safe space. I don't know. Yeah. Like we're, I mean, we should maybe tell people about our daily heads up. You know, our, our work environment is always changing. And when things are really in nutty cycles, Deirdre will send me a daily heads up as she's leaving work, which is a few hours before I get there so that I kind of know what's going on in the newsroom before I get there. And I will send her one at midnight so that when she wakes up at oh dark 30, she kind of knows what she's got going on walking into work. And so, yeah, that's been a nice way to set yeah. the stage and, for each And other. so like, for example, I'll just give you yours here um, during the podcast rather than the texting, your daily heads up is um, our news today is extraordinarily depressing as we are dealing with a bunch of breaking news stories and several mass shootings. So my daily heads up to you is going to be watch rundowns really carefully because um, we need to make sure we're giving some things some context. And it's a lot. It's just a lot. Right. And, and also the daily heads up being like you're heading into a really heavy day at work. So, um, you know, be aware of that. So that's the kind of thing that we might do. Now, in other days, it might be, hey, go look at the email. We just got two extra personal days added to our, <laughs> added to our benefits. So it could be things Yay. like that. And that's kind of the help. Or it could be, hey, um, I really liked your hair last night. Did you get a cut? Like it, it can be very simple things, but it's a little bit of something supportive. So I bring it up because your, your work besties don't always have to be people who are sitting right next to you in the cubicle next to you. It might be somebody that maybe is in a different department, but you guys run into each other and share a little part of your day. And that person just makes you um, feel maybe a little bit more motivated or a little bit happier while you're being there. And that's kind of good for everybody. So um, there is this, this series going on in the New York Times right now. It's being done by Jan C. Dunn, who does wellness and health type topics. And it's like an eight days to happiness thing that she's doing. And day five was the importance of work friends. So she broke it down into four steps to try to find a friend. So today we're, we're going to help people find friends. <laughs> so I thought we could go through them and just discuss them a little bit. So Perfect. the first one that she, um, she suggested was like, number one, identify somebody you want to be friends with. Yeah. And it, it seems like maybe awkward to reach out to somebody or I think oftentimes we tell ourselves, oh my gosh, that person is so busy. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to 
you know, add to their already busy workload. But I'll give you a perfect example, Deirdre. You sent me a note. So we we would go out back in our 20s and, you know, do things like when you met your husband. I'm just going to lord that over you forever. <laughs> um, but I think it was maybe in our late 30s, you sent me a note out of the blue that said something like, your skin looks amazing. What do you use? And right around that time, I remember not thinking I looked at all amazing on any level. And it was such a compliment and it made me feel like a million bucks. And um, I remember kind of responding to you and it opened the door for just kind of a new, it really did to kind of a new phase of our friendship. And you and I are not really, hey, try this new makeup type of people. No. But if I ever found anything, you were the first person I would, you know, <laughs> I would shout it from the hills like, hey, this thing really works. Why don't you try it? Um, anyway, it was, it was a nice, um, you know, even though we were friends, it, it was a nice kind of icebreaker to almost a new chapter of our friendship. Well, you know, it's interesting. It was a little bit more personal. Yeah, that's true. You know, rather than, you know, how'd you, how'd you find that story? It's, it's a little bit more personal. Like, how do you take care of your skin? It's, it's really wanting to know, like, how do you do things? <laughs> Cause I want, I it's want whatever you're doing. Implied compliments. So win-win. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. I like that. So I guess if step one is identify someone or maybe a couple of people, you just kind of figure out like, what is it that you like about them? So maybe you look around wherever you are and you see who seems to be like doing life well or seems to be having a good time or has an energy that you really like, identify that person. And then step two has got to be like, look for natural ways to initiate some contact. This is all the stuff that would have scared you to death in high school, right? That prevented Absolutely. you from talking to people. But as a grown up person, you can do this. So step two is to try to find a way to make that connection. One way to do that is just to make an invitation. And it doesn't have to be like a big high budget thing. This could be Hey, um, I was going to go down, walk down to the corner for coffee. Do you want to go? Like, maybe it's just like initiating a short little break. That's away from your desk, away from the job that you do. That's legit where you just go and you spend a little bit of time together, just hang out and maybe have a conversation. That's a little bit different than what you normally would talk about with that person. Yeah. That's a nice way to reach out. Or sometimes you could even just ask somebody their opinion on something. Like, can I bounce this off of you? Yeah, that's a good one. I think talking very specifically about someone's work is um, a, a nice way to open the door. Um, I really liked the way you added some, you know, in, in our newsroom, some detail to a story it, that that brought the story to life for me. Or how did you how did you get that person to talk to you? That's, I'm yeah. always curious about that. I am too. Um, yeah. Um, how'd you get them to say yes? Um, and so, who, yeah. Just, who do you just, think is the, just a sidebar. Who do you think is the yeah. best at that? I have a definite idea. Um, it was Walter McCalla when he still worked oh, for our newsroom good. and our, he was, he was like the grand master at that. I'm, I'm drawing a blank currently. I'll, I'll tell you somebody who is exceptional at it is Leticia Ordaz. Oh Yeah. Oh, Leticia. And everybody talks to Leticia, no matter how awful the story, Leticia has such an empathetic tone in how she talks to people. Everybody talks to her. I'm always amazed by it. 
It's a gift. See, so if somebody would like yeah. to be friends with Leticia, that they is a good should. opener. But they better be prepared <laughs> to spill because she's going to get it all out of you. <laughs> and we can both say she is lovely. So we highly she recommend. She is very accomplished and very lovely. Yes. Okay, so make a little invite, do something low stress, and maybe take a little walk break, or maybe it's just, um, you know, just initiating. You could even like comment about something on their desk. You're just looking for a moment, just a little moment. Um, step three, if you're a remote worker, which a lot of people are doing now, this could complicate it. And this is one of the big arguments against remote work by a lot of employers is that you don't get those natural collaborations, which is actually where a lot of these work friendships would happen. But I was thinking back to when we were all Zooming from home because we had to. And those little moments before the meeting started were equal parts delicious and delightfully awkward, if you remember, right? Oh, like yeah. Had, mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a, they were kind of equal, but there was an opportunity. And you could tell people were looking for that connection where maybe you could kind of reach out to people and talk. Well, also... Do you remember all the back channeling? We we would be texting during these meetings. Oh yeah, and so that was also a place to kind of make connections. Um, you know, of course, some of it is just being silly, but um, and quite a paper know. trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, but the, that what that is a way to kind of reach out. You know, just create small connections with people. It could be anything from, is that your cat behind you? Um, to um, even, even with bosses sometimes, it, it, pitching kind of stories in a back channel way or checking on certain things. It just creates a small distant, distance mm -hmm. connection. Look for a little moment. Um, mm -hmm. fourth, fourth thing that you could do, if the first one was reach out, identify who you'd maybe like to try to initiate a friendship with to make the invite, figure out a way to spend a little time together. Three, if you're doing remote work or something where you're not in the same environment, look for a way to have a conversation outside of the norm. The fourth I want to throw out is maybe establish something like a text chain, like establish a thing with them. You and I have a epic text chain going and it goes from <laughs> super serious intellectual wow they're amazing to just ridiculous often one text to the next <laughs> but, yes but initiating that you know ongoing friendship these days a lot of it is going to be digital and maybe that's some of that's on social media but a lot of it could just be as simple as a text and sending somebody a text can be something in the middle of the day that can really kind of lighten the mood and make their day a little bit more enjoyable Definitely. I also have to say that there have been times, um, Vicky Gonzalez is, is someone who comes to mind, where people have left just a really kind note on my desk that has just meant the world to me and made me see that person in a more personal light. And to some degree, I think it's a little bit like, you know, I've joked to you that I'm in the Yoda phase of my career. So I get notes <laughs> from time to time that are, you know, like, oh, thank you so much for your, your support or guidance or, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, a, a, a handwritten note like that saying you have been important to me yeah, or you are important to me and here's why opens the door for a more personal connection. Every once in a while, I get that Yona note as well. And um, there was a part of me that's like, how did I 
get here or was this for someone else? <laughs> like I, at first, I really do think that I got the wrong note because usually I right. remember being the person who wrote those notes and yeah. they kind of come a little bit more, but, but it is kind of the ultimate compliment and bringing things full circle because without having those friendships at all the different parts of my career, there's no doubt in my mind, I would not be here now. And I'm so grateful that I've been in environments where I've been able to make these really deep friendships, because I think as we've all navigated um, really difficult things, those are the people who are there on a bad day and they kind of prop you up. It's, you know, you have a partner uh, in what we do, you and I each have a partner on an anchor set. And I have gone into my partner and I would consider Tao one of those really good work besties. Um, and I've gone in and just been really honest and said, um, had a bad night, you know, this is going on with the kid or you name it. I had a bad night. I need you to lead today. I need your help. And being able to be super vulnerable without feeling that something will be taken advantage of or frowned upon is a really nice way to be able to do your job. Absolutely. And I think we both have those partners in Teo and for me with Golston, where um, a lot of times you don't even have to say it. Yeah. You know, I think about the periods for me coming back from maternity leave and feeling so foggy and just, you know, couldn't think of the right word. I mean, anyone listening to this podcast is probably thinking you're still there, sister. <laughs> but it was, I mean, if you think, if you think this morning is bad, you should have seen me, you know, with newborns and, and, and the lack of sleep that is <laughs> for me, catastrophic. And Galston would just very naturally just come in with the right word at the right time. Didn't make a big deal out of it. Just, you know, he had my back without me even having to ask. And um, that, I think it's another example of the power of the fr having that friendship. Yeah. You know, that you don't always have to explain yourself that it, when, when you have created that relationship on the front end, then during the times that you need someone to have your back, they're much more likely to know that as a friend would. Mm -hmm. Or converse, having a really good work friend is having somebody who will also call you on your crap. And that's mm -hmm. important too, because there can be days where maybe you're, you need to vent and I'm all for venting to a point. And then I feel there's a point where venting is not productive and it needs to end and need to actually do something about things, but you can see, and you and I have had this even in the last year where I, I can think of one specifically where I saw something, I took something a very specific way. And you said, you know, I don't think that's how that was meant. I could see it from this side. And a really good friend will do that. An acquaintance won't, because an acquaintance is not going to get into it with you. But when somebody that you really trust says, I don't, I don't think there's a there there, then that's a really important thing because that can also just settle a situation for you quick and save you a lot of angst. And I don't know about you, but I don't need any more angst these, these days. Oh yeah, no, we've we've we're up to our eyeballs in that. But but yeah, and and I think um, your work friends can do that for you. You know, you everybody comes into the situation with their own, um, you know, lenses, and to have somebody who is in the same environment but can offer a different perspective can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so. Bottom line, we are thumbs up on having work besties. Yes. Besties, <laughs> we, think you need some, 
we need, we think you need some work besties, not just one. We think you need a couple. And there is plenty of science that backs us up on that for your social and your emotional support and also for business outcomes. And the research now, especially post-pandemic, is showing that having strong friendships at work is really good. It's good for retention. It's good for creativity. It's good for productivity. Tends to make people more efficient, probably because you feel an obligation to make your job go as well as it can so you don't interfere with a bestie's job. Um, but overall, it's a necessary connection now more than ever. Absolutely. So let's just bring in a whole different podcast that we've done in the past. And I'll just say, I am so grateful. Oh. I am so grateful to you. Lisa Gonzalez is another one of my work besties and I couldn't do it without you guys. Well, right back at you. And I feel the same way. And, you know, especially being on a morning shift and you know, this from when you were doing mornings, getting up in the middle of the night, if you can't get along with the people that you're working with, yeah. it's that much worse. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I got a lot of besties that are working at Odark 30 with me, which is a fantastic thing. So thank you. I'm very grateful for you as well. Thank you. All right. I hope people will tag this show, share it with their besties. And I'd love to know how people became besties. I, I was trying to think if I could remember the exact moment where I really felt like we were besties and I don't, which is probably a good thing because it's just always kind of been like that. Yeah, just an evolution. Agreed. Yeah. I will say that I think that there's always been a mutual respect and admiration. And I think that was a nice basis for a friendship. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I feel like um, you and I have always, and our work is so different. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're focused a lot on Olympics and, um, you know, that's kind of your, your thing and politics for me. And so very different kinds of, of work and styles, but always a mutual admiration, which has been nice. Can I tell you, tell a real quick story? Well, of course I can. It's my podcast. Um, <laughs> do whatever I want. Two years ago in the pandemic, we had a debate that was coming up and that is debate is like your Super Bowl. That is the thing that you are so amazing at. You take control of, and then you got COVID and then I had to fill in. <laughs> And it was the most terrifying thing in my life. And you were so gracious and you made it your mission, even though you did not feel well for 24 hours to teach me how to do the job so that I wouldn't embarrass myself or the station. And, and I you nailed it. I did my best, but I was like hanging on by a thread as your fever was going up and up and <laughs> trying to pull the information. But I thought, isn't that like the, the epitome of somebody who is just a great cheerleader? not competitive with the person, but wanting people to succeed. And if you can find friends wherever you work or wherever you're spending a lot of time who are as happy for your success as you are for theirs, then, you know, you found your work bestie. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great right. final thought. That's it. That's all I got. Thanks, Edie. Thank you, Deirdre. True story. About midway through that podcast, I realized I had completely forgotten that I was in a podcast and that I was recording. That is that is how comfortable I feel with Edie Lambert, just talking about things and solving the world's problems. <laughs> so, fortunately, I didn't take the conversation south because that could have gotten me in trouble. But uh, that is the, the power of having a work bestie 
for sure. It is time for what I'm listening to. This is something new we're doing in season nine, where I tell you about something I heard this week, another podcast that kind of spoke to me that I think you might enjoy as well. So this week I'm recommending the Hello Monday podcast with host Jesse Hempel. Jesse is part of the editorial team at LinkedIn. Hello Monday is a weekly podcast that comes out on Tuesdays. Just kidding. No, it's on Mondays. And the show is about how work is changing or how we are changing the workplace. I love this show. It's smart, it's concise, never more than about 25 minutes or so. And it features a lot of people who maybe you might not hear about anywhere else. And I thought that about her guest from episode 198, this was just about a week ago, a woman named Katherine Morgan Schaeffler, and she just wrote a book called The Perfectionist Guide to Losing Control. Awesome title, right? It's new thoughts and how you can view perfectionism, the good and the bad totally related to it. And it really challenged me to think about some things, which is, you know, point of a podcast, right? You can connect with Edie, follow Edie on Instagram. You'll find her at edie.lambert. If you'd like to send me a note, you can always message me on Instagram at runreadsip. And if you could do me a favor and screenshot this show and share it with some of your work besties, let them know that you thought of them maybe when you heard this show, that would be fantastic. Thank you for listening. Go find a friend, let me know how it's going. And if you have any other tips on how people can also deepen those connections at work, let me know. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on Dying to Ask.